Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I am presenting a series of broadcasts on the subject of Jesus as a prophet, and this program is a continuation of the previous broadcasts. Now, in the previous broadcasts, I divided his prophecies, the prophecies of the Lord Jesus, up into two different categories. The first category is the set of prophecies that Jesus gave, predictions about the future that have already come to pass, that have actually been fulfilled. And the second category is those prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled, but that he did give, and he did say that those prophecies would be fulfilled in the future. One of the most important prophecies that he gave was concerning his return, that he would return at a time that no one will expect. No one will know when he will return, that he's going to return at a time when we do not expect him to return. This was described by the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, verse 44. That's Matthew chapter 24, verse 44, where he said that he would return at a time when we did not think that he would return. Also in Luke chapter 21, verse 35, that's Luke chapter 21, verse 35, Jesus said that he would return when others did not expect him to return. So concerning his disciples or his believers, he's going to come at a time when they didn't think that he was going to come. And for others, everyone else, he's going to come at a time when nobody thinks he's going to come. And so if you expect him to come, then chances are he won't. Because if he does then he will not fulfill the requirements of a prophet prophesying that he would come when you didn't expect him to come. This is very important to understand because there are so many people who sincerely believe that he's going to come imminently. And he may come imminently. That's not what I'm referring to. What I'm saying is is that they believe that he's going to come because of various reasons. For example, because the times and the seasons are such Prophecies are being fulfilled in such a way that he should be arriving at a certain time, at a certain moment, to coincide with things that we expect. And there may be some truth to that. But what I'm trying to emphasize is that people are trying to determine when he is going to come with the expectation that he's going to arrive when they think he's going to arrive. And that's the point, is that he will come, that's true, but not necessarily, certainly not, when we think that he will arrive. And I think that this is a very important point to understand. And the reason why is because there are a lot of people that I come in contact with. They call me or they email me and they ask me about prophecy. And to be honest with you, I have a very simple answer that I normally give people when it comes to things like this. And what I mean by prophecy is they're asking me, when is Jesus going to return? When will Jesus come back? When will he be here so that he can eject us out of this earth, out of this world, and take us into heaven? And my traditional answer is that my people have got a very poor history of correctly interpreting prophecy. And so I would prefer not to add to that history of error. I would prefer not to speculate or predict prophecy 
when or how certain prophecies are going to be fulfilled because my people have got such a poor record, I'd rather not add to it. And that's generally how I answer those kinds of questions. The next way that I tend to answer these questions is I just simply say with all honesty that the Lord has not given me any special insights concerning his return. I do not have any special insights. And what I mean by special is is that he has clearly said that he's going to come back when nobody thinks he's going to come back. And I definitely feel that I fit into that category that he has not given me any special insights concerning when he's going to be coming back. And so because of that, I just don't know. But what I find is that the motivation that most people have when asking about these things has to do with the fact that they are entering into some very difficult times in their personal life experience, and so they want him to come back, either because they're losing their home or they're losing their spouse or they've lost their job and they can't find another one. They're finding themselves in a situation where they're homeless or destitute. They would just simply like to go to heaven now. Right now would be a really convenient time. Or there's the risk of war, or there's the risk of starvation, and people are not interested in starving to death. I can appreciate these things. I really can. I know what it's like to be homeless. I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like not to know if I'm going to find a job anytime soon. I know what that's like. I live just like everybody else lives. I'm no different than anyone else in that sense. I've overcome these things in various ways at various times, only to fall back into the same kinds of problems before and then to work my way out of that again and again and again. And so I can appreciate the desperation that many people often feel when their lives are falling apart and they just want the Lord Jesus to come back. You know, this would be a convenient time. Why is it so convenient? Because I do not want to suffer. I do not want to go without That's what people generally say to me. They don't want to say it that way, but after asking them questions or talking with them about other things, I can generally determine that that really is what is going on in their heart. And legitimately in the sense that they may be suffering a great deal or they may be about to suffer a great deal. And So I can appreciate the desire for the Lord Jesus to return in order to set you free from those kinds of problems. But he never said that that would be the case. Let me give you a personal opinion that I have. And again, as I said before, I do not have any special insights concerning prophecy, and so I don't feel confident in trying to explain a lot of prophecy. I can only say that I would look at it for what it says and ask the Lord and see what he may share with you. That's about all I can do. And I feel perfectly fine with that. I'm comfortable with that. I do not know how everything is going to play out, but I know my God well enough that if he wants me to know, he will tell me. And so given that I do not know, I trust that he does not want me to know, and I will be thankful, and I will be very thankful for that. And that's how I personally live. But let me tell you, personally, I do not believe that the United States, which is where most of my broadcasts are being distributed, this recording especially, and so for the most part, people who are going to be listening to this recording, I expect you to be within the United States. I know that there is a significant percentage of people who are outside of the United States who are listening to this as well. But for those of you who are in the United States in 2010, which is when this recording is being made, I want you to pay attention to this, and that is that I do not believe that the United States of America needs to exist as a country at the time that the Lord Jesus returns. I don't believe that. I don't believe that he needs this country to be in place. In fact, I would be surprised if this country was still in place or functioned 
in any way like it functions now or as it has functioned in the past. I believe that it's going to be totally different and that the people here will be different and that the organization of the government or how people make a living or survive will be totally different. I really believe that this country will not exist at the time that the Lord Jesus returns, at least in the capacity that it is right now, that it will not be recognizable, is what I am saying. I believe that. And so for us to assume that it would be like that is a big assumption. I think it's a really big assumption. And for me to say that it won't be, I think is perfectly realistic, completely realistic, because that is the history of humanity. Throughout the last 2,000 years, many people have assumed that Jesus must return right away because of this war or that war or this country fell or this government fell or this country was built or this government was built or another war happens or these famines happen or plagues happen and all these kinds of things happen or knowledge increases, stuff like that. And people make radical decisions like that. And this is what happens. What happens is is that people end up getting paralyzed and they stop living like they should be living. They don't live by faith anymore. They don't live by trusting in what the Lord has already done for them and what he has already given to them. They don't really live that way. Instead, they live on the basis of what they think they're going to get in the future before they lose what they have. And I think that that is a very poor way to live, and it's definitely a poor testimony to live. I can tell you that with great sincerity. I know a lot of people who look at Christians as people who are just trying to escape from the world and don't want to have any part of it, or they don't want to experience any pain or suffering or any tribulation, or they don't want to have to get out of their house or off their bed or off their couch and go to work. That's how a lot of unbelievers look at Christians who are so consumed with this prophetical stuff that they are paralyzed from participating in the world that they are a part of. That there are lost people out there who need to be saved, for example. Are you going to go out and engage with them? Are you going to be responsible for yourself or for those who depend on you? Are you going to contribute to the work of the ministry in any way whatsoever, either by you helping to do it or to help fund and finance those who are directly involved in ministry? These are important issues, and I sincerely believe that the subject of prophecy is used in such a way that it paralyzes people and it is also used in a way to give people an excuse to be paralyzed. And that there are a lot of people who I know personally who really enjoy that kind of life and enjoy that kind of lifestyle. They just live with the expectation that Jesus is going to come and get them before they get hungry. And I personally feel it's very sad. The Lord Jesus said an awful lot more about the future. He did predict that when he returns, he will reign. He will reign as king. When he was here on earth, he functioned as a prophet would function. He functioned as a prophet. And when he went into heaven after his resurrection, he now relates to us on the basis of being a priest. But when he returns, he's going to return in the capacity of a king. This was described in Matthew chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. That is Matthew chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. And Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. That's Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46, where he said that he will return and he will reign. He will be the king over the entire world. And I sincerely believe that given the evidence that there are many prophecies that he has given that have come to pass, that this is a prophecy that will come to pass as well. And so we should live in expectation and in anticipation 
that this will happen, but not at the expense of being responsible for yourself and for those who depend on you. So, considering all of this, how should we respond? How should we respond to the truth that Jesus is a prophet? What should our response be? What should that really mean in our lives? Well, let me go back to the verses that I started with, which were in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 19, where Moses said in verse 15, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. From your countrymen you shall listen to him. This is according to all that you asked of the Lord your God in Horeb on the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. Let me not see this great fire any more, or I will die. The Lord said to me, They have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. It shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. And again, the parallel passage is found in Acts chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. That is Acts chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, where Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. So this is the point. The point is, is that if Jesus is a prophet, you should give heed to everything he says in verse 22, Acts chapter 3, verse 22. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, he says, You shall listen to him. And at the end of verse 19, It shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. And so this is the importance of recognizing Jesus as a prophet. And that is that you should listen to him, that you should pay attention to him, that you should seriously consider everything that he has to say, that he has had to say, and what he will say in the future, that you need to pay attention to that. You need to listen and you need to respond to the truth that is revealed to you because it is the truth. And if you will not respond, if you will not hear him and you will not respond, both, you can hear him and then just pretend like he never said anything. But what I'm saying is is that you will respond by engaging the world then, by living your life on the basis of the truth that he has revealed. That if you do not do that, then you have violated your God by not doing what he told you to do, which is very simple. Listen and believe and trust. That's what he says. But having said that, how many people do you know of who have any idea what Jesus has had to say? I mean, when it comes to many Christians that I know, that I have met, that I have had exposure to... Very few of them have any idea, really, what Jesus has had to say. And it's very bizarre, because I know many of them who have devoted years and years to studying and reading the scriptures and going to church and hearing about what Jesus said. But when I ask them various things, or I hear them speak to me about various things, 
they generally have no idea what Jesus said. And it's so simple. You just go to the Bible. We have a lot of them at our disposal. You just go there and you read everything that he had to say. In fact, we have many Bibles where all of the words of the Lord Jesus are in red. Just go through and read all of the red words, all of the all the lettering that's in red, and you can see everything that he had to say. Now, I understand that there are a lot of people, a lot of Christians, who do know some of the things that he had to say, or are reminded of things that he had to say, or would recognize things that he had to say. But there's something deeper about what he had to say than just memorizing some scriptures or being able to acknowledge that there were things that he said. Or if somebody makes the claim that he said something that he didn't, then they know enough about the scriptures that they can say, no, he never said that. That I understand. But there's something much deeper about this that I really want you to consider and I really want you to pay attention to. And that is that there were reasons why he said the things that he said that there was meaning to the words that he chose, to the words that he used. And for the most part, most of what he had to say, he said to the people who he was speaking to. And I know that might sound a little odd, but I really believe that that's the case, that he was speaking to people, he was speaking to individuals, and that we should first consider what they would have heard, what they would have understood. We should first consider that. And I say that we should do this because I find in most cases what people are doing is they're looking at all of the words of the Lord Jesus. And the first thing that they are asking is, how does this apply to me? What is he saying to me right now? When he was speaking back then, thousands of years ago, he was speaking directly to me. And here is my opportunity to hear his words. And what exactly is he wanting to share with me? That's the first thing that people assume instead of assuming that he was speaking to somebody else and asking the question of what did those words mean to those people. When he was speaking to the disciples, what did those words mean to the disciples? When he was speaking to the Pharisees, to the scribes, to the Sanhedrin, to the chief priests, to the common people at the Sermon on the Mount, or when he was giving loaves and fishes, when he was speaking to them, what did they hear? What did that mean to them? This is a very important issue that needs to be addressed, that has not been addressed, that I, of course, am addressing. And most of the recordings, most of the teachings that I have done within the past few years have been focused on revealing the beliefs of the people at the time of the Lord Jesus so that you can understand what he is saying from their perspective, from the perspective of the people first. And then second, if you would like to know what that means to you, what he may be saying to you, I think that's a good thing. I'm not going to try to discourage you from doing that. But what I do not want you to do is I do not want you to think about what he may be saying to you at the expense of ignoring what he was saying to everybody else. That that would be a serious problem, a very serious problem. Because if you do that, then you can very easily misunderstand and misuse and abuse a lot of what the Lord Jesus said and a lot of what he did. And I honestly have found that a lot of people misuse and abuse the word of God and other people through a misunderstanding of what Jesus was actually communicating and why he was communicating what he was communicating in the way that he was communicating. 
that this is a serious problem within Christianity, within the whole Christian world, and has been a problem for the last few thousand years. And I do pray that I can contribute to a solution concerning this. I do pray that I can make contributions that will alleviate a lot of these issues so that we can first see things from the perspective of the time and the era and the culture and the history that Jesus was confronting when he was ministering here on earth. Because to be quite honest with you, I really believe that a lot of what he was saying to them does apply to us today. I really do believe that, but only in the same context. For example, most of what he said, most of what he taught, was the Old Covenant. He taught the law. He taught people to live in obedience to God and to live a life of repentance from sins. And the reason why he did that was because that was the covenant that was in effect. And if you would sincerely believe everything that he said, and if you would live on the basis of everything he said, then you would respond to things that he said, such as, be perfect as God. That's what he said. Or you will in no way enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what he said in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, we can take that upon ourselves today, but only in the proper context, and that is to finally recognize that there is no way we can possibly be perfect. And so there is no way that we can possibly enter in to the kingdom of heaven on the basis of our repentance and obedience. In that way, it is applicable. But for us to take something like that and say, well, you cannot be completely perfect, we recognize that, and so we should just try to be perfect. That, I believe, is immediately going outside of the boundaries of what Jesus intended, of what our God intended when he said those things. It is at that time that it becomes abusive and it becomes twisted. And that's something that we have to be very careful of. So when you look into the scriptures to see what Jesus had to say, first recognize the obvious, and that is that he was speaking to somebody. And you should consider who that person was and what they were believing. And you will find that virtually everything has its application. I certainly make use of things like that, such as be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. I use that on people who sincerely believe that they can get right with God or they can be pleasing to God by their actions or getting the sin out of their life, that people like that need to hear this fundamental truth, that they cannot do it. And so most of what Jesus taught would be very applicable in that circumstance. It was only after he rose from the dead that the new covenant went into effect. you got to remember he was talking to a people who believed that they already had a place in the kingdom of heaven. They did not believe that they had a need for salvation. That's important to understand and very important to recognize that the people who Jesus was speaking to did not really believe that they needed to be saved, that they needed a Messiah other than a king who would just overthrow the Roman government. They needed a Messiah who would save their souls, save their spirits, That's what they truly needed. They needed a Messiah who would reach out to them and meet the very deepest needs of their heart. But they did not recognize that. They did not know that. They did not believe that. And so for someone like that, the words of the Lord Jesus were perfect, absolutely perfect. But once you recognize your complete depravity and his complete sufficiency, and you embrace the new covenant, and you embrace the Lord Jesus for the Messiah that he is, When that happens, these things become obsolete in your life. They no longer have a place. 
you use the words of the Lord Jesus for the purpose that he gave him for. There are other things that he had to say afterwards that have to do with our life in him today. When he was speaking to the disciples at the end of his ministry, he told them, he said, There are many things that I wish to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But the day will come when the Holy Spirit will come to you, the Spirit of truth, and he will dwell within you. And when he does, he will guide you and lead you into all truth. Consider reading through John chapter 14 through 16, and you will see that. You will see him speaking to the disciples about things that would eventually come that they did not understand and could not understand right now. All he could do was encourage them to continue to try to be a person they could not be so that they would be reminded of the truth that they needed to be totally forgiven. And then through the crucifixion, they were totally forgiven. They were set free from trying to live a life of obedience to the commandments so that they could walk in a new life, a different life of dependency and trust on what Jesus has done for them instead of trying to live a life of dependency and trust in what you think you're going to do for him. Those are two completely different ways of life. With the institution of the new covenant through the forgiveness of sins, the Lord has broken down, he has torn down the barrier that the Israelites put in place between them and the living God, between them and their God on Mount Sinai. That barrier was, we do not want to hear from you. So set somebody else up as an intermediary who we will listen to, who you can speak to. But through the new covenant, through recognizing Jesus as the living God, we understand that this barrier has been taken down, and we now have an opportunity to hear from the true and living God. This person, the Lord Jesus, who we are to hear, it ends up that he is the living God, who we now hear from. The Lord told us to listen to him when he was conducting his ministry, when he was speaking here on earth as a prophet. But now, now that we can be born again through the salvation that he has provided, we can now hear from him as our high priest, as the true priest of our God, who is our God. Our God himself now speaks to us directly, as he wanted to speak to the people directly in Israel when he first established the Old Covenant. Through the New, we can now begin to know our God. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you.